Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Hello? Oh, are you there? Uh, this is Nick, yes? Hi, Nick. <laughs> yeah, but we something was wrong with our phone, so we were just trying to figure out what was going on. We didn't get a hold of Here you Who go. am I? What am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Is there a purpose to all of us? Join Hercules and Victus and crew as they seek answers to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding the path of mystic ascension. Welcome to the Pride of Olympus. I don't know. How is your phone? 
Uh, I had the same problem that you did. I had tuned in about three minutes before, and I had the same problem. It, there was no sound at all. No, there wasn't for us either. Also, there's an echo going on. Can you hear it? I do. Yeah, something's the matter. Yeah. Uh, Can we call in again? Oh, boy, I hope not. Uh, what I'll do is I'm going to call the station again, and why don't you do that, too, to see if there's yeah, any we'll difference. Call the yeah, we'll again. call in again. Okay, right. we'll okay. see you. Right. Okay. Hi, this is Nick. Hi, this is Hercules. Okay, oh. the the board, the sound went dead and it disconnected, so I had to reconnect. I apologize. <laughs> well, that's okay. Hey, we're so glad to be with you, uh, Hercules, and that you're with us. <laughs> and, thought, and I'm glad to be with you as well. Uh, I've been looking forward to this uh, program for quite some time. I like the change of name, and oh, uh, I'm encouraged by the... Uh, a new uh, direction and focus. So why don't we start with um, how the sixth revelation and then the magisterial mission uh, transmuted and grew into Gabriel's worldwide religion of love. Well, okay. That sounds great, Hercules. Uh, first, uh, we would like to... <laughs> well, I want to wish a very special person a happy birthday. There you go. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and his name is Nick, Nick Kirchhoff. Happy oh, Diane. birthday, Nick. Happy birthday, Diane, you, are, you and Michael are so sweet, and Hercules, too. And thank you so much. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, I'm a Leo, and uh, my day is tomorrow, so... Tomorrow, awesome. right. <laughs> well, we, we certainly have been thinking about you and sending you good wishes for your happy day tomorrow. You know, i got to tell you just briefly that this is the best time of my life, and three of the reasons are on this program right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, Thank you so words. much. Thank that you is so the, much. That is the truth. I've never been busier. I've never been happier. And uh, and uh, certainly you three uh, have added to that very much. So just you're, well, you're right, Nick. Well, things are moving, uh, man. You know, the, the celestials are moving, moving, moving right now. It's amazing. They're moving I within the Urantia so. community. They're moving within, uh, you know, our our celestial uh our celestial work our celestial ministry uh with you nick and your radio programs and your disclosure network and hercules with your uh mount olympus uh, outreach and so many activities that you're doing that uh things are so amazing and yes we will definitely guys we'll get into uh the new name change and the new focus and the new direction for uh you know culminating here in the newest phase, which is the worldwide religion of love. But first, before we do that, <laughs> Diane's going to introduce a special visitor on our program tonight. Yes. Oh, awesome. we, want, uh, we want to read a couple of poems. And okay. the first person uh, that is going to be reading, this will be his first 
spotlight on his poems, and it is Alexander, and that is our 13-year-old son. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> wonderful. He's going Absolutely. to read uh, three poems, and they're very, very short. And then I'm going to read a poem from Donna Whalen, who is a beautiful, beautiful Urantia reader and a dear friend. And the poem is called God Within, God Without. And she's told me that they have put music to it, and it has been published, and they actually, at her church, have performed the song with her poem. Oh, very so, great. So Alex is here, and he's going to read his first three poems. Awesome. Uh, Gazing at the moon. I often look up to find myself gazing at the moon. Shogun admiring a waterfall. Like this waterfall, I shall fall. I'm praying. As I go into the night, I wonder what am I. Okay. (laughs) Those are his first three poems. Very nice. Wow. Very nice. <laughs> and yes. then I want to do this for um, Donna Whalen. Uh, she's a very special, special lady and very talented. Mm-hmm. And then we will begin our superheroes who have come to the earth. <laughs> very cool. So <laughs> this is God Within and God Without. Oh, God Within and God Without, please lift me up. Don't let me pout. Help me to feel the joy you bring, as happy as a day in spring. Let me see, let me hear thy word, which says, Child, have no fear. Guide me along the path with light. Allow your love beam to be bright. Mm. I want to will your will be done. Let's be about it. Let's have some fun. Together we can make a team. Show me the way to my heart's dream. Your wonders are without an end, and I know you are my true friend. You have ideas that are really great. You always say, create, create. There is a way to a better world. Your banner's about to be unfurled. So let us all your partners be in this endeavor which sets us free. Wow. By Donna Whalen. <laughs> Excellent. That is awesome. Well done. Yeah, she's a beautiful lady with so much talent, and I wanted to be sure that we got her poem in mm-hmm. when we begin this to um, kind of uh, focus on the idea that she had there, God within and God without. Yes. Amazing. Thank you. Great, great concept. Very beautiful. <laughs> and she has two other poems that are published in this book called Today's Best Poems. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really nice book, and she sent us three of her poems. And, you know, they've been uh, they've been very kind to us uh, as we have pursued our uh, unorthodox journey <laughs> through the Urantia book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you too, Nick, as well. And uh, you, Hercules, of course, have set everything up for us here to be able to uh, express what the gods want us to ex- us personally to express uh, at this time. And Hercules, we would love to. We really, really want to hear. Uh, we want to take some time to hear about uh, mm-hmm. Olympian outreach, which previously uh, you 
had described, and you had begun the Olympian embassy. So we want to yes. take a little. We want to take a little time at some point to hear about the uh, Olympian outreach. Yes, and after we uh, produce this this new message that we're trying to get out to the world, um, we want Nick then to tell us what he's been doing, and here it is, a new year for him, and a new birthday year, and I know I'm so excited to be doing all this too, Nick. Thank you. Okay, so to answer your question, Hercules, to answer your question, Mm -hmm. sixth revelation Sixth Revelation becomes Magisterial Mission. Mm-hmm. Sixth Revelation and Magisterial Mission become New Worldwide Religion of Love. Sixth Revelation is the gods coming to us personally, the gods we read about in the Arantia book, and the gods whom we have found out correlate with the Olympian pantheon and the Olympian tradition. These are the gods that have come a little bit closer to our earth at this time to help to help humanity who might be a little bit behind at this time to reach some of the goals that the universal father wants for this planet for the progress of this planet so the sixth revelation is the initial or was the initial message of the gods to set everything up to put the pieces in place for the beginning of what was to be the magisterial mission. So the local universe father, also known as Michael of Nebadon, and the local universe mother, also known as the creative mother spirit, they are the co-sovereigns of the local universe, 10 million inhabitable planets. Well, they sponsored, they have sponsored uh, the magisterial mission. And the nuts and bolts guy of the magisterial mission, we found out, was none other than Lord Maitreya. And uh, Lord Maitreya, we found out, is a paradise son, a magisterial son. And magisterial sons visit planets, you know, all the trillions and trillions and trillions of planets, to uh, bring new teachings, new insight, uh, bring new focus for humanity and help uplift humanity through new teachings, policies, and programs. And that's what Maitreya has been doing. The, ten, the, uh, the magisterial mission under Lord Maitreya has succeeded to this point. Awesome. The first three years of the 10-year plan of the local universe father and mother were to pray for world peace. The local universe father... And local universe mother said to us specifically, we want you to pray for world peace. And we want you to form a worldwide prayer circle for world peace, which we did in July of 2016. And we have had hundreds of people join us for monthly prayers for world peace. And, of course, we uh, you know, received a little bit of resistance for prayer because there are a lot of different interpretations uh, from the Urantia Book community on you know, how prayer really should be. Well, mm-hmm. we went with the local universe father and local universe mothers urging to pray for world peace. And we found out that the reason they wanted us to is because in order for the magisterial mission phase to be successful, they said there needs to be a measure 
of peace and stability. We just found out yesterday in a team meeting with Gabriel and Emmanuel and eight Melchizedeks, we found out yesterday that Maitreya's, the phase, the magisterial mission phase for Maitreya to establish relative peace and stability has succeeded. There is enough. There are no major wars to this point. A lot has been averted. We've seen that in North Korea. We've seen that in Syria. We've seen that in Iraq. We've seen that in, um, you know, we've seen that in our country, of course, you know, dealing with Iran. So things are relatively stable. There are risks, of course. We know there are risks. Oh, and, and the ISIS caliphate has been neutralized, we're, we're, we're learning in our, you know, in our news, our world news. So there are risks and there are danger areas in the world still, but there's been, there's enough. He has succeeded enough for us to move now into the worldwide religion of love, and that is sponsored or undertaken or both by Gabriel and Mother Venus. Gabriel is the firstborn of the local universe father and mother, whom I've already described a little bit, talked about. Yes. He's the, first, he's the firstborn of them. He's uh, Gabriel of Salvington. So Gabriel is now in charge of this worldwide religion of love. This is a transition phase from the success of Maitreya to the beginning of the worldwide religion of love, which will begin March 20th of 2020. Gabriel... Right around the corner. Oh, I'm sorry, say it again. Right around the corner. Yes, yes it is. So we're in a transition phase. We're in a special preparatory phase here. Gabriel is going to bring truth. He's going to bring, bring divine truth, cosmic truth, to the minds of the people of Urantia, to the people on the earth. Mother Venus's goal, her focus, is on opening love within the hearts of the people of Urantia. And in so doing, things will change. People will cultivate more, uh, they will accept more truth. They will pass this truth on to their offspring. They will cultivate more love, pass it on to their offspring, but also spread this truth and love to more people on the earth so that they can gain a more full uh, experience with God. And Gabriel, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a whole narrative that we have. I'm not sure if we can go into it right now, but there's a whole narrative uh, about Gabriel and Mother Venus's role on this earth, um, you know, going back, going back at least 90,000 years, in, in some narratives, mm -hmm. with their headquarters, the the headquarters for their influence of the Earth, or their dealing with the Earth on Venus. Yes. So Gabriel from Venus, Mother Venus from Venus. So they have a special focus now on the Earth, and they're going to be doing a lot of a lot of things, a lot of new things to help. Uh, uplift our planet. So that's 
that's where we are at this point. Uh, and the way we are learning about this new worldwide religion of love is through our truth talks with Gabriel. We've had four truth talks thus far, kind of outlining what their plans are and what we, on our planet, what we're supposed to do and what Diane and I are supposed to do personally to spread this preliminary information and start the ball rolling. Awesome. That's it. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, we really do feel that they are super, the, the superheroes, because we all of a sudden on June 1st had Gabriel and Venus move in, and then we had, of course, Emmanuel, and then we had Gautama Buddha and Persephone, and, and then Maitreya. And so th- these six are superheroes. That they have powers that we cannot imagine. Um, Gabriel was telling me that he has more power than a million suns. Wow. More power than a million suns. And they have created this Venus, this planet Venus, as Jerusalem in our Urantia book. But I think the most extraordinary thing is that uh, through my son, through Alexander, who read you the, his new little poems, he's studying all about the Oriental religion right now. And his little poems were supposed to be like little Zen poems. Mm-hmm. But but the most wonderful thing is, uh, Nick, do you know um, Gard Jameson? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, Gard Jameson gave us the most wonderful book. Uh, Now, it was volume two, and it's called uh, Monkey, A Story for Our Mythic Moment, volume two by Gard Jameson, Ph.D. And, you know, this book, I opened it, and I couldn't believe what I opened. Uh, It's the story of the Chinese bringing the Buddhist religion to China from India. And right here in the very beginning pages, it says, here is the quote, The planet Venus from the western heaven came to rescue you by holy command. Now that is what it says. In other words, which I didn't know, is that the planet Venus is what the Chinese have always called the heaven that they are going to in the West. And I didn't know this. Uh, It's the Western heaven and the Kuan Yin that the Orientals worship, I am told, is our Rhea, and she is the queen of heaven in the Western heaven, and her planet is the planet Venus. And they actually say in the Oriental religion, they actually list it as the planet Venus. So here we are saying the same thing, that the Buddhas and the Melchizedeks and Gabriel and Venus are all coming from the planet Venus, and we are now being told that is Jerusalem, as in the Arantia book, and they are the ones who have been trying to save our planet for all these 90,000 years. So I just think it's extraordinary that even uh, in Gard Jameson's book, he says that it is Venus that the gods are working through to save the planet. 
Yes, when you say synchronicity, I mean, that is absolutely mind-boggling that, that that all is lining up like that. That is really, you, you just totally took my breath away, Diane. <laughs> Did you have to, were you going to say something, Hercules? Yes, it's uh, in Theosophy of the Kumaras, who came from Venus with uh, Sanat Kumara. Uh, to help uh, set things up here on Earth. And uh, according to some accounts, they've uh, finished their task and they're now going back to Venus, or they have been going back to Venus. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, uh, we had a number of team meetings a year or so ago where Maitreya, Lord Maitreya in the Theosophic tradition and in the Buddhist tradition, Lord Maitreya being the Buddha to come to take over from Gautama Buddha as the Buddha of the world, so to speak, Lord of the world, uh, we had learned in a couple of team meetings that this Lord Maitreya was uh, a, a being that we read about in the Arantia book that I referenced earlier, a magisterial son or a paradise son. And we were told that the, there is a, there, that the main connection there was that Lord Maitreya is a paradise son. He is a magisterial son that has come to this earth as a cosmic Christ to uplift humanity and start start the ball rolling for a new era of light and life. Uh, and he's from Venus. Lord Maitreya is one of the 144,000 that in, in many narratives, 144,000 that uh, volunteered to go with Sanat Kumara to the earth 90,000 years ago to begin a lot of different procedures and, and policies uh, to to help humanity. Uh, and not only not only Lord Maitreya, but uh, Gautama Buddha was also uh, in that group of 144,000. And they're from Venus. And, and things are opening up to us, guys, because, um, you know, in the Urantia book, it talks generally about our local system, of Satania. I talked about the local universe as being, uh, you know, roughly 10 million inhabitable planets. But as you as you uh, come down a little bit in levels, uh, you find that there are local systems, uh, smaller units. These local systems have, you know, roughly a thousand uh, inhabitable planets in each of them, uh, and that. This, this information now with Gabriel in our home and Venus in our home and these, these other celestials are starting to open up uh, aspects uh, or more detailed descriptions and functions of the local system. And not only that, but our solar system. I mean, hardly anything is mentioned about our solar system in the Arantia book, but because of Gabriel and Mother Venus's special work at this time, they're opening up some of these things to us to share with everyone, to get an idea of how special, how really special this earth is and what a fantastic role that this earth has for the, the purposes of the Universal Father. For instance, we're finding out, as Diane mentioned, that um, in the Arantia book we hear that Jerusalem is an architectural sphere that is the capital of the local system of Satania. That local system of Satania, roughly 1,000 inhabitable worlds. 
Well, in our June 22nd, well, actually in our June, um, what was it, our June 2nd breaking newsletter to, uh, to our friends, we, we mentioned that we were told that the planet Venus is that uh, local system capital of Jerusalem. Uh, but it's more complex than that because we see, we look out, in our tel- out of our telescopes, we see the physical planet of Venus. But that's not the only thing, you know, that's not the only uh, aspect of that architectural world. That's a, that's a material core of what we see, that there are so many things going on uh, unseen in that, on that capital and in that system. Then in the June 22nd breaking newsletter, we told uh, our friends that we received information from Gabriel that um, that the Earth itself, this this planet Earth, with its unseen levels and seen levels, uh, is an architectural world also. Even though there is organic evolution happening, uh, but it is a decimal planet, so there is experimentation according to, you know, your ranch book narrative of our Earth, that it's an architectural world. And then, about a week or so ago, maybe about a month ago, um, from Gabriel, because <laughs> all this stuff is flowing in. You know what? I want to say something really quick, though. The hardest part about sharing this information with all of you friends and everyone, the hardest part is what we can say and what we can't say. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you have to filter. You have to filter what you can't say because it's developing. It's in development, as it's opposed too early. to yeah, <laughs> as opposed to what you can say. Okay, but what we can say is a couple weeks ago, we found out in our exploration and by the truth of Gabriel that our solar system, our solar system with its eight planets, is the local unit, excuse me, is the local system administration of Jerusalem. The whole thing, all of the planets, all of the planets encompass this system. It, it is unbelievable what they told us. Go ahead, Michael, you can share. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Uh, yes. So I know it seems strange because, you know, we get a general sense in the Urantia book of how these satellites orbit and how these sub-satellites orbit around those satellites, you know, in the local system. Supposedly we have Jerusalem as the center, the uh, architectural, um, you know, headquarters, and then you have seven transition culture spheres supposedly rotating around that center, and then you have seven, you know, sub-satellites around each transition world. Well, we're told that it's just a little bit different because that's a, that's, they're telling us that that is a general setup. You know, the seven and the seven and the seven. It's a general setup. That this mm-hmm. local system administration, our solar system, runs a little bit differently. And here's how it goes really quickly, guys, okay? We have eight planets in our solar system, okay? Pluto was nine. But we don't include Pluto. Pluto's not included. We have mm-hmm. eight planets in our solar system. Okay, one of those planets is very special. Okay, I'm just going to take you through this here, going from the sun out. 
Mercury is the first planet uh, closest to the sun. That is transition culture world number seven. It's the world of the father. We're going to skip Venus for right now. That is Jerusalem, the main core. Uh, Earth, our Earth is transition culture sphere, excuse me, number two, called the Marantia world. Mars is transition culture world number three. It's the angelic world. Jupiter is transition culture sphere number one. This is the finaliter world. This is the world that has sub-satellites that are the seven mansion worlds. That's what we're told. So when you go to the mansion worlds, according to Gabriel's Mm -hmm. knowledge and account shared through us, you are going to Jupiter. You're going to surrounding spheres of Jupiter. Saturn is transition culture world number five, the world of the suns, S-O-N-S. Uranus is transition culture world number four, the super angel world. And Neptune is transition culture sphere number six, world of the spirit. Now to go back to Venus, Venus is Jerusalem. So you have seven planets, plus you have the main headquarters architectural sphere of Jerusalem. Which is Venus, yes. Yes, yes. So it's it's a little different than than in the Arantia book, but if you really start looking at it, you, you realize that you can't just uh, judge what we have in the Arantia book because uh, the way that they are laid out uh, is a little bit differently. But it's all there. It's all there, and the seven sub. Uh, satellites, a lot of them are not on the physical plane, Mm -hmm. and therefore they're not able to be seen. But for me, it's just so incredible because I'm looking at these other religions and these other cultures, and we're heading right back to to Venus at almost every, every, every one, almost every one. It's just really incredible with the theosophy, the neo-theosophy. And Elizabeth Clare always told us that, you know, it was from Venus that the, uh, the Maitreya and Buddhas, uh, Gautama and Melchizedek and the angels were coming to save the earth. And she would give the lectures and tell us when and the different periods. And, and it's all Venus. It was Venus, Venus, Venus. And it just didn't hit us until finally Gabriel said, Jerusalem from the Arantia book is, is Venus, is the planet Venus. But our whole solar system is a solar headquarters for these other uh, inhabitable solar system worlds that have planets yeah, and so forth, local planets. system planets. So it, it's just really uh, amazing, and they, they're so eager to talk to us. Um, it's almost every other day that I, I ask them, I say, well, you know, does anyone want to talk today? And out we go on the patio, and they start mm-hmm. giving us all this solar system information. So, so Nick, so Nick, we're very, very hopeful. This this gives us a tremendous amount of hope, you know, that that this Earth is a is a really important part of this. And yes. The Universal Father wants to make this solar system a beacon of light for other solar systems. Right. And and the war aspect, Maitreya being successful. To I, this point. I I know Nick, that's right up your alley because you know there were a lot of concerns throughout uh, some of your communities 
of impending World War III with North Korea and things like that. So, you know, this brings us a lot of hope. What do you, what do you think, Nick? Well, first of all, the timing is spectacular because uh, I think that the general population, not only of America but of our entire planet, is is very very watching of what's going on on the uh, on the, the, the the playing field of of the various politicians because in various countries because I don't think that I felt uh, such a threat of a possibility of flare-ups. And I think most most everyone would agree, as right now, the last few years have been really troubling. Yes. And oh, it's very much. Like, oh, my God, when they come on with one of those special bulletins on TV and they have <laughs> the big letters, and I'm thinking, hang on. And I think most people are feeling that more than ever. So this, sure. this timing of hope and of oh. helping, it couldn't come at a better time. And the synchronicity of Venus is really something to behold. And again, I would—you took my breath away, Diane, when you were uh, putting forth the various aspects of Venus on various cultures and and spiritual uh, and religious uh, groups. That was spectacular. I'm really—I'm I'm still digesting that. Well, and there's also uh, there's also many many groups that have sprung up, you know, in this uh, in this new age, you know. And uh, there's a group, uh, Hercules. I know that you're uh, you're very involved with the Unarius group, who uh, you yes, know, it's, they're wonderful. I've been yep. involved with them for over 20 years now. Can you can um, you tell us a little bit about that, Unarius? Sure. Uh, they were uh, their information was initially channeled by uh, Ruth and Ernest Norman, and uh, they uh, Ernest was called the moderator, and uh, um, Ruth was called Uriel because uh, she was uh, overshadowed by the archangel uh, Uriel. Oh, Uriel! And uh-huh. they put together and released. I'd, I'd say well over a hundred books and uh, uh, that many DVDs and uh, audio recordings. So they recorded everything and they uh, um, created it into uh, um, products that people could purchase um, and listen to. And then they had their organization they created so that people can participate. And uh, Ruth and Ernest have uh, passed on, but their legacy uh, continues with uh, the current uh, round of folks who are uh, carrying on the tradition. And they're awesome people uh, with an awesome mission, and they have you know, tons of information, and uh, they're very active in trying to spread the word. Now, uh, because Ruth uh, was very flamboyant, and uh, because they had a car with, like, a UFO on top, uh, a lot of people made made fun of them. But uh, they always uh, took it in stride and realized that even if people are making fun of them, they're still drawing attention to uh, all the wonderful things in the Unarius teachings. So somebody might check them out because uh, they think it's funny, uh, but then if they actually read the writings, um, you know, they'll see that there's a great truth there. Uh, and uh, I can personally vouch uh, for their uh, teachings. Um, and uh, um, I, it's one of the few organizations I actually belong to. I, I get along with a lot of organizations, interact with a lot of organizations. I belong to very few of them. 
but I do belong to Unarius because I believe in what they're doing. They've been doing it uh, consistently for decades, uh, and uh, they, they're relentless. And uh, one of the things I like about the, the Unarians also is they take responsibility for the world. Mm-hmm. So if they're in this world and it has uh, horrible things in it, then those things are their responsibility. And we yep. have to learn from them and we have to change them. And we live in a <laughs> time when very many people uh, will not take responsibility for their actions. So it's very refreshing uh, to see people taking responsibility for all of reality. <laughs> Yes, and, and and Hercules, it's a religion where there are celestials on other planets that are influencing the Earth, correct? Correct. They don't see themselves as a religion. They see themselves as a spiritual science. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're they're actually anti-religion uh, in many of their writings. They believe that uh, uh, religions, as we understand them here on Earth, are devices for social control. Well, to some extent, of course. <laughs> Yes, of course. so, so of course. they consider themselves a spiritual uh, science, and uh, uh, again, they're very approachable, uh, and uh, they're very great at answering questions and telling you where in their writings or in their videos uh, you can find uh, particular information, and uh, uh, when we get to the Olympian outreach, they're going to be part, a very big part of the Olympian outreach. Uh-huh. Wow. And and what role does Venus? What does uh, Venus play in that? Venus is one of the planes of Unarius. Uh, they they used to have seven planes, and by plane, sometimes we mean planet, and sometimes we mean a dimension other than the one we're currently in, mm-hmm. on a planet that isn't in our solar system in this dimension. Sure. Um, but there are seven planes, and they're originally called. Uh, the seven planes of Shambhala, and oh. now they just uh, call them the seven planes of Venarius. And uh, Venus is one of the planes that is uh, uh, one of the dimensions of our planet Venus, mm-hmm. and it's a place of healing. healing. So they oh, have hospitals, lovely. and between uh-huh. lives, they can heal spiritual ailments. Mm-hmm. Um, before somebody returns for another round of uh, incarnation. And uh, um, the Unarians believe that you can, with your mind, once you read about someplace, visit with your spirit. Of and course. so their book, The Voice of Venus, uh, introduces you to Venus. It's the first uh, Unarius book, the, the, the portal oh. book, as it were. And uh-huh. it introduces you to that concept that uh, people who lived here who have died uh, are in Venus, that mm-hmm. many of the celestials are in Venus, including Maitreya, and that uh, um, you can send yourself to Venus to heal and to oh, learn. Oh, how wonderful. Yes. Um, now, I know that Venus herself is the queen of of the planet Venus. Yes. But uh, Rhea, Rhea, we are told, uh, uh, kind of... Uh, connecting that Oriental religion with Rhea, who is the mother of Zeus and Hera, but also um, she is uh, also the mother of the local universe, mother and father. And uh, she, we are told, is the queen mother of the West coming out of the planet Venus, that she is almost like the, the Kuan Yin of the Oriental. 
and she is also involved with healing and the suffering, sees the suffering of everyone in the universes. And uh, so that was very interesting to get uh, her take on what she does, that she sees the suffering of a swallow or a little bird or the suffering of a child or and the healing and the mercy is coming from her. And she said to call herself the Holy Mother. Mm. She is uh, She is in the Urantia book. We hear about her as the eternal mother's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is uh, she's the one that uh, infuses our local universe, Father of Nebadon, with his the, the characteristic of his uh, uh, of his I don't know creatorship, leadership, uh, administration, the Eternal Mother's Son. So uh, you know there are so many correlations with uh, planets and other yeah. beings other beings coming to help the earth. I mean, one of the main themes in the Urantia book is the narrative of the material sons and daughters, the Adams and the Eves. They go to they go to the planets to uh well, even even the the first epics of a planet uh, in their path toward light and life. The first epics are the the um uh oh gosh, it just it just skipped my mind of what are they called? They are called the planetary princes. Yes. So they come, they uh they set up centers for teaching and but then it's the se- second epical mm-hmm. revelation of a planet where the Adams and the Eves they set up uh they set up a garden of Eden, you know. Uh and they have teaching centers, but they also do a biologic uplift, uplift. They infuse uh they infuse a, a special blood into the humans after they have a certain set of offspring the offspring then uh, you know commingle with the humans and their teaching centers in eden and so on and so forth so you know there are many many examples of beings and celestials helping our planet you know but, but yes we do have free will you know that's one of the that's one of the great things of our journey in our personal relationship with god and the gods is uh, you know is our special personal path of growth, our special personal relationship. And that leads us then, guys, that leads us to the new worldwide religion of love. The new worldwide religion of love is, you know, in what we're told, in what the preparation phase is for 2020 uh, and 2021 and 2022, 2022 being when the religion really begins, you know. Uh, but they are saying that it is now time to reconnect with God. If you are a human being living a relatively secular life without the influence of God or gods in your life, in your family life, in your relationships, in your overall workings of your life, then it's time now to begin reconnecting with God and not only reconnecting personally with God, but Gabriel and Venus want us to reactivate the human spiritual community. Again, they want us to reactivate the human spiritual community. Through secularism and a variety of things, Nick, that you talk about in your Disclosure Network, we have 
moved away. Many, many people in Europe, in America, have moved away from the influence of God in their lives, even acknowledging God, praying to God, worshiping God. So they want us to get back to the human spiritual community. And there's a special way that they want us to do that, guys. They would like, they would like everyone to go back to church. Or a place of worship, or a gathering where you have like-minded individuals, where you have high spiritual values and interests that that you uh, talk about and uh, together. Tell them, tell them, what, tell them. Yes. Yes, they want they want people to they want people to join a community or rejoin a community of of spiritual seekers, of religionists. <clears throat> of people worshiping God and praying to God to reconnect on a community level, on a group level, mm-hmm. to God uh-huh. and the presence of God and the gods and so on and so forth. Because not only will that give us support to reactivate the the inward spiritual community, but it will uh, it will also plug us in to what they have been telling us, guys. What they've been telling us is that in 2020, March 20th, 2020, Venus and Gabriel will begin visiting. I don't know how. (laughs) They will begin visiting every church, every place of worship, every temple, every mosque on this earth to begin sharing the new ideas the, the new ways of worship. For them to infuse their their love and their truth into yes. all locations around the world and around the earth. And they want everyone to plug into that, but they're going into spiritual communities already established. You see that? They're not, they, yeah. they, they have said, they have said that there are Melchizedeks and that there are seraphim and angels and even higher beings celestials that will be connecting with people on a personal basis personal mm-hmm. personally with their minds and their hearts but they want everyone to experience that in a community setting and not only them not only Gabriel and Venus but some time ago the universal father said that as of that moment and I, I wish I could remember when it was but as of that moment, his presence, the Universal Father's presence, will be in every church, every temple, every mosque, every synagogue, every place of worship in the world. And what they want us to do, guys, Nick and Hercules, is to start going to a different church almost every week in this uh, period beginning in March. So what Michael and I are going to do, uh, since we have our own church every Saturday at 4.30, uh, on every Sunday morning or every other Sunday morning, we're going to start going to a different church in our area and then branching out farther and as far as we can go, so that in that two-year period, we will have visited a lot of churches, (laughs) a lot of places of worship. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we're to leave, um, you know, a little um, CD of our songs and to introduce ourselves to the minister. And after two years, you know, if you really add up how many weeks that is of visiting a different church for that two years, it, it will be a lot of uh, wonderful experiences Over that will help us churches, yes. <laughs> develop, too, and we will help. And we will be we will be doing outreach too. We will have all the teachings that we've had, all the experiences with the Urantia book, with all of our spiritual traditions. We will be taking that with with us and possibly sharing it with so many other people. And and Hercules, that leads perfectly into Olympian outreach, which yes, it does. you you turned us on to outreach. And Nick, you and Hercules, you guys uh, are uh, interfaith. Uh, ministers, and you plugged me into that, and I became an interfaith minister in 2016. So, Hercules, I, I hope you can uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Olympian outreach. Okay, great. Uh, I, I would be greatly honored to, and we're going to be on for another hour. I don't know if you guys can stay. Nick will be here in uh, uh, Phoenix. Uh, Mike McLaughlin, he's going to be here also, so we can start uh, tying everything together better. But uh, the Olympian Outreach Program that's uh, starting again uh, was uh, done in the past under the umbrella of the Olympian Embassy. And uh, because I'm very active, uh, what we did was we had an information table um, so that uh, groups that weren't present when I was talking, I would introduce the groups and what I was saying, and then I would have uh, literature uh, or other handouts on the table. So some groups sent books, uh, some groups sent uh, flyers, uh, some sent magazines, you know. So I left it up to each group to uh, send what they uh, wanted. And uh, I happened to approach everything uh, from a mythic perspective and a universalist perspective, but very heavily from theosophy, theurgy, hermeticism, uh, and mythology. So yeah. although that's my cup of tea and many people resonate with my cup of tea, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So <laughs> in recognition of that, um, because we're dealing with the ancient wisdom and the ancient wisdom, despite its uh, presentation uh, through various groups, is the same. So what the uh, um, Olympian Embassy or Olympian Outreach uh, is geared to do is uh, it would have information. And I'm limiting my mission not to presenting all the information that can be presented because it's been done before. So why would I you know, devote years right. to doing it again when I can just basically focus on the Olympian elements in all of these things? Uh, and then people can explore uh, whichever uh, presentation appeals to them the most or from which they will learn the most. And Nick uh, was at our Mythic Atlantis, and he was actually at the information table. Oh. Uh, and he can vouch for the fact that we had tons and tons and tons of uh, information. Uh. And uh, groups that had sent uh, books, uh, we had uh, uh, like a raffle type of things uh, where people could win these books. So we gave away like tons of uh, books also. And it was all the ancient wisdom um, from a neo-theosophical perspective. Uh, so, you know, cosmic spiritualities, we might also call them. So now that uh, things are anchored, all the different things that have been working for years are now anchored in this physical reality. So it's going to be a matter of, uh, you know, basically just building around them. Uh, I'm bringing back the uh, 
uh, Olympian embassy because of this, the climate of our politics. I'm calling it uh, yeah. Olympian outreach. So this way it's oh. not like a, a foreign space government or a, a friendly <laughs> celestial the government. The superheroes are here. <laughs> yeah, so, wow. so I will be working with all of you and all the wonderful things that you're doing. Um, we will be drawing more attention to it. Uh, some of the practices we'll be ad- adopting as a body. So, you know, every, each of the groups does something really wonderful. They do more than one thing really wonderful, but we'll pick one and make it universal to everybody, and we'll all have oh. a vote in that. You know, so we we might decide to, um, you know, lend our energies to the uh, religion of love. We might decide to um, make it part of the custom for our group to observe your uh, uh, weekly <laughs> church service. You know, that's something we can discuss, but everybody will contribute something that will be open to all of us as Argonauts. And then as Argonauts, we will not only promote what we're promoting, and all of us promote a lot, but we'll be promoting each other better. So this mm-hmm. way uh, people will ha- have access. Like Nick sends his uh, blasts all the time, his news blasts. Yes, and I guess. Yeah. And he does lots of wonderful things. Oh, um, he does. So even if we just take the news blasts, everybody would be enriched by receiving that and, and, and having access to all that information. So that's kind of like with the Olympian Outreach. So the Olympian Outreach will henceforth stay forever. It won't be an on-again, off-again type of uh, thing. It will be very organized, and this will help each other um, get the the word out in in different ways. So um, when uh, Phoenix pulls in a little later, uh, we're going to integrate his project Perceptor. We'll integrate uh, uh, Nick's uh, Book New York and his Social Network New York. Uh, we'll integrate all the wonderful things you're doing. And the, the other starting organizations who aren't part of tonight's uh, discussion, uh, but who are, whose material is going to be uh, very much integrated, is uh, Unarius and also Mark Age, uh, oh, right yeah. now operating under sure. Chronicles of Mota. So uh, that's going to be the starting organizations, and we're going to add to it until uh, we are able to make uh, the ancient wisdom available to everybody. Wonderful. Congratulations. Congratulations, Hercules. How wonderful. Well, we would like to sing happy birthday to Nick. (laughs) Yes. Are you there, Nick? That sounds awesome. (laughs) I hope you have the most wonderful year ahead. Oh, thank you very much, Diane, and I'm certainly looking forward. I just got to say, I love the way this is going. I love this journey that we're all taking. It just seems oh, so right. Goodness. Yes, it is. It's wonderful. It's blessed. It truly is. God is blessing us. We feel we're so honored. You know, there might be uh, there might be a lot of Urantia book uh, readers joining us tonight, uh, listening to the program. And, oh, that is uh, awesome. I just wanted to uh, say to them, uh, please catch Nick's program. Nick has now, through uh, the wonderful uh, graciousness of, of Hercules, I, oh, I can yes. I can personally vouch for oh, yes. that Nick, your show has opened up to be absolutely tremendous uh, and yes. a, a, a and and a real platform for others, mm-hmm. for others, your guests to really mm-hmm. express themselves. Uh, not just to the Urantia book community, which is relatively small. I wish it weren't, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the world. 
but give them, giving them a platform to reach a really wider audience. And it's yeah, so so great. wonderful, Hercules, that's that great. you've done that. Uh-huh. And guys out there, whoever's listening, listen to Nick's programs and contribute. Yes, Be course. guests. Yes. If if you're your Rancho Book students uh, and you're you know in a a position to really speak with authority of the Rancho Book, you know. Uh, Try to partner with Nick if you can. I mean, uh, because Nick is fantastic and he he really is a wonderful host. He Nick, certainly is. Are you ready? Are you ready for your happy birthday? I am so ready. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, and indeed. You can, okay. <laughs> you can even sing happy birthday to me if you want to. Okay. Here we go. Mm. Oh. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. Oh, thank you so much. That's a great deal. How wonderful. Thank you very, very much, Paul. Yay for Nick. Yay. Yay. And on that pleasant note, I'm going to give everybody a short break of five minutes. Uh, um, Phoenix has joined us, so he's here with us. Uh, we're going to listen to Cauldron Born, which is about uh, the cauldron of Keridwin or the Grail or the Cornucopia. It goes by a lot of different names, but it's a symbol of our uh, transformation. So we will play that, and we'll all be back in uh, seven minutes. All right. Thanks again, Hercules. Yes. Okay, God bless you, you all. Have a good much evening. Love, much love. Good night, guys. Sunset moonrise And see how the land is made In silver hue You feel so me and let me show there are others just like you who feel the powers of earth, sea and sky, a dragon and fairy and shades of the night, hear the call of our ancestors of blood and bone. Ancestors of blood and bone 
Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and this next segment is called Olympian Outreach. It is a new segment because it's a new initiative, and I'm greatly honored to have uh, Nick Curto and Phoenix the Techno Druid, also known as Mike McLaughlin, uh, joining me. Greetings and welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Looking forward very much to this next hour, very much. Me too, and again, we'll start wow. off with happy birthday. We ended the last uh, segment uh, with wishing Nick happy birthday, so we'll open up this one with uh, wishing him uh, a happy and healthy year uh, full of all that he desires and uh, lots of prosperity, opportunity, joy, and growth. A uh, very heartfelt thank you for that. Very, very beautiful. Thank you. I was going to say, you guys had me on mute, otherwise I would have you know, sang along. No, I unmuted you, <laughs> I unmuted you but uh, uh, I I didn't announce it, so my apologies. Uh, you could have sang along, or anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll have next uh, birthday to sing along. Um, tonight, what I want to uh, uh, focus on a little bit is how we can help each other grow. And uh, everybody here does a lot of things. Uh, and uh, we're, you know, although we have people to help us, well, some of them we're mostly alone. We're very dedicated to what we're doing. So um, right now my cosmic or celestial work is coming more to the foreground, and in a few weeks a book will be pub- published uh, where they have an actual chapter about me in the book wow. uh, and all the different things nice. uh, I've been up to, uh, especially with uh, celestial things. So. Uh, I Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so I figured it's about time to get out of the, the shadows a little bit and a little bit more uh, public. So um, one of the things I decided to start with was the um, Olympian Outreach, which used to be called the Olympian Embassy. And since both of you were at Mythic Atlantis, you remember the table where we had all, everybody's information. That will yep. be part of it. Uh, the other part of it will be uh, on social media. So uh, I'll give an example. Nick sent out uh, e-bursts, and I occasionally include uh, some of them on my timeline and let people know I got them from Nick. So what I will do now is I will do that systematically. So once every two weeks, I will include something from uh, Nick uh, and uh, have uh, a link you know, where he, they can subscribe to the uh, uh, news blast and if there wasn't anything that exactly fits into what the themes I normally cover are, I would just talk about the newsflash and how people can uh, subscribe to it. So that would be like an, an example. Um, and uh, I know that uh, Phoenix is starting a Project Preceptor, so tonight we can understand that a little bit better, and I know you're just starting out. So I figure since Nick is doing a phenomenal run, has been do- doing that for many, many years, we'll start off with uh, Nick. And if Nick, if you can give us an overview of all the things you're doing, let's brainstorm on how we can all promote it better. Well, I think the, uh, the key word here, and I think you would both agree, is communication. Communication is everything. And uh, we're so blessed to be in an age where we have the internet and yeah. uh, we are using that on so many different levels and connecting with people of uh, not only nearby, but worldwide. And some of our major people that are contributing stories now to the disclosure network, New York uh, news blast are from Hawaii. They're from London and, and other places in Europe too. 
And how exciting is that? Uh, it's just That's we're, really exciting. We're, it really, you know, it's never been better, uh, Hercules, than now. And I'm so proud of all the members of Disclosure Network that, that email me and say, Nick, have you seen this new this news right now? And a lot of times, no, I hadn't. And then I will put that online, as you guys know, and it will go to everybody who receives our Disclosure Network New York News Blast. And so, and sometimes they will then check that out, do their research, and then they'll come back and say, there's another link that I think everyone should know about. So it's, it's just this big family contributing to truth and knowledge, and that is exciting. That is very exciting. So and, uh, we have also, I have to say that yeah. the members, we've been encouraging the members to to develop programs of their own to present to Disclosure Network, and that has absolutely uh, opened the floodgates to some of the most wonderful, knowledgeable people in our group that are producing amazing programs for us. And since we meet oh, two times a month, that's that's 12 and 12 is 24, so that's 24 programs, and uh, a, a lot of them are our own members that are presenting these these amazing research studies. So it, it's just, again, it's just uh, snowballing, and I just love this so much. And I uh, just want to thank everybody who's contributing in any way uh, to, to, to all these things that are going on. And I think that's, that's the key for our group to, to widen the field, to get more people to understand what's going on, and to uh, be a news link. So, so that's certainly up there as one of the main suggestions I would have. Okay, great. So basically we'd have the, the, the news uh, uh, flashes. Uh, we would have advertising your meetings so that people can attend the meetings. Uh, and then how if people have things they'd like to contribute, uh, how can they contribute them? Uh, and then uh, also uh, I know that you record uh, programs also through Skype at your meetings and so forth. How can people access these uh, programs? So that's four things right off the top. So even if we, finish, we focused on one thing per week and just repeated it uh, on a cycle, uh, that would divert uh, people to all this uh, material, and they could increase their base of uh, wisdom and knowledge. And we found out that a lot of people that are too, too far uh, away from uh, the West Village, uh, Manhattan, New York City, are now accessing the programs thanks to two wonderful people that are uh, longtime members of the group, Disclosure Network New York, and that's our, our dear friend, uh, Tom Garber, who records on a digital recorder what's going on uh, at the meetings awesome. from the, uh, and then uh, he, he then emails that to an, another uh, amazing guy, longtime member, Jim. And Jim then will take that and he'll put it not only on our own website, which is dnny.info, but he'll also put it on YouTube. So that these programs are now going to those two locations. And it's a wonderful record of what we're doing and, and it also gives such a, a platform to new ideas, and that's very exciting. And I just got to just again say thank you to these two amazing uh, individuals who've contributed their time and talents to make that happen. So that is, again, another link is to not only do meetings uh, with content, but to then broadcast it in some way. Yes, that that is incredibly awesome, and you're very fortunate to have such uh, wonderful, uh, talented, and dedicated uh, people. So uh, we'll work something out where I can uh, 
do my small bit in trying to just increase awareness and draw uh, attention and uh, perhaps uh, draw some traffic uh, toward what you're doing because you're doing awesome things and they deserve uh, a much bigger audience. And also, I know for a fact that both Jim and Tom would be more than happy that if you wanted to know any the, the technical details about what type of digital uh, recording we do and how, how that uh, just the steps to put that on your website as well as YouTube, uh, both of these gentlemen would be uh, honored to share that information with, uh, with, with I'd be uh, honored that I would definitely ask uh, them for that. And um, oh. and really, they've got it down to a science now. So that, I mean, they're great, and they do this. They do this um, again all through the year, and um, so that would be another way of touching base. And then it would open up the uh, the uh, the meetings that you you have and you're going to be having, and others to a much wider audience. And that is got to be one of the paths to to uh, yes. the future. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, that that's there for the taking. Um, and we are starting very soon. I met uh, today with uh, um, one of my new contacts at the Crestville Public Library and uh, talked oh. about how we're going to be having very soon, by the end of the summer, uh, starting once a month uh, at the library, something where we'll be discussing metaphysics uh, and also science uh, fiction. Fantastic. And uh, I'll be having meetings. Uh, we're we're going to get back into UFO uh uh, research as well. So this just, be... uh, just on that level, I just got to mention, uh, uh, Hercules, if there's any way that you can meet, meet the uh, come to Manhattan and, and go to the next meeting, which is uh, Sunday, August 4th, we're going to have a whole meeting dedicated to the sci-fi of the 50s and early 60s. Oh, we have awesome. an expert an expert, and his name is uh, Cornell Christensen. He has a couple of off-Broadway shows. One oh, of yes, them, you interviewed him. Yes, yes, yes. Right, remember? I, I, I did yes. mention that. And uh, the, the shows were amazing. We saw one of them, and it was just uh, it was just fantastically done, really good music. It was a musical, and uh, he's an expert from the 1950s sci-fi movies. He's going to have bring a whole bunch of posters from that era, and he's going to talk about all the uh, the background stories that happened during that time. And for a lot of us, those 1950s and 60s sci-fi movies, what a spark, what a spark that we want to know more. What is this really about? And what are the real truths about this? So uh, that's going to be a very interesting meeting. And again, that's coming up on the 4th of August at 2 o'clock. And you can that, find that the information... Awesome. Uh, it would be on our website, dnny.info. So if anybody would like to uh, go to that meeting, I highly recommend it. Uh, he is a quite uh, an amazing and very colorful gentleman. You would love him. Cornell Christensen will be there live. And I plan on advertising that uh, heavily, too, and so people can uh, um, attend it. And uh, uh, that will fit in very well with uh, what uh, I'm going to be doing very soon. Uh, so uh, that, that is incredibly awesome. By the way, Cornell lives in New Jersey. I don't know where he lives, but, I mean, that might be uh, a way of maybe asking him if he might want to help you with, with the meeting. That would be great, and I'm looking forward. He's doing one on Sword and Sandal, uh, like a Hercules movie type of thing next. And oh. that, that I'm greatly interested in as well. Love those. Love those movies. You really do. Mike, uh, 
how are you yes. doing? How's Project Perceptor? You've been uh, sending out uh, um, information that you're ready to launch with that. Uh, and I know that you've been working on it for a, a good long time. I've been following it on Facebook. Uh, why don't you give us an introduction to Project Perceptor? Okay, first off, Project, I started Project Perceptor um, ultimately about two years ago, um, you know, in, in, in its embryonic phase, about two years ago. Now, um, you know, pretty much every, and when you get there, you'll understand why. And Nick would understand this very well, but disclosure is only a part of CE5. You might not, you know, our government might not ever disclose it. There are governments that won't. Um, The other part, another big, huge part of the whole movement is helping make stuff better. You know, uh, okay, we have a problem with CO2 in the atmosphere. Out here in Utah, we really have a problem. I think it reached 113 two days ago. Um, nobody's cooling equipment kept up with it. Nobody was even ready for it. So we had the whole house piled in my bedroom, and you know, which was down at like 76, 77, but the rest of the house was not inhabitable. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, you want to tell me you want to tell me global warming doesn't exist? <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, we know better. In in Massachusetts, in um, yeah. uh, New York City, as you know, we had blackouts. We some of the subways totally stopped for over an hour. We had blackouts in some of the suburbs and some of the boroughs of Manhattan, and it, it, it was grisly. And I think we hit about a hundred and I believe a hundred and seven, which is which wow. is which was horrible. But you're talking about something even worse. So it, it, it's here. The, the the warming it's here. You know. Yeah, it is. It is, and it'll it'll continue until this reaches about 150, 160 in these in these places, before mm-hmm. uh, you know, before ultimately before it, it collapses the other way, and we get too much oxygen. Of course, we don't have you know, it's too much oxygen. We don't have you know our plants. We don't have plants on the surface hardly anymore, but we have like what nature forgot underground now because it's twenty the year twenty one hundred. Speaking, speaking, uh, okay, so, yeah, uh, Project Perceptor is a citizen's effort to develop, you know, kind of like kind of like Greer's idea for the lab in Virginia, only it's not going to split up friendships, you know, um, and, you know, why not, why, okay, so if I have a disclosure network that I'm setting up out here, why not attach a makerspace to it? Ultimately, I mean, what would what, what would you need for to do to complete the mission with that toolkit? And uh, commercially, commercially and industrially, uh, the this is really really coming to fruition. And yeah, I mean, Hercules, let me know when I'm clear to like blaze a blaze a path through that. But that's like five minutes if I do it if I do it like an au- or like an auction uh, caller, you know. But. Um, so with with all of this, with, uh, with now with an understanding of cryptocurrencies, and guys, that is where the future is headed. Um, pretty soon, things like the U.S. dollar, I mean, there's already a U.S. dollar coin, which fluctuates tiny, tiny amounts, but you can, they cost $1, and maybe one, one millionth of a cent, and they fluctuate, and that's if you have like ten million dollars, that's like two or whatever, you know, 
break it down, do the math. And that's the profit you're making off of this fluctuation, which happens almost like clockwork. Which the rest of our stuff should be, you know, if if we if if markets weren't such volatile things by nature, at least in the world we live in, I mean that's the way it would function. So, out here, out here, I can say professionally, I am developing a huge, huge interest in crypto mining. And um, there's uh, here's here's you know you guys know I'm the power guy, you know. You guys know I deal with electricity. I mean, what do what do what do mining operations eat, essentially, to produce to do their mathematical calculations to produce the money? Essentially, you're eating electricity, electricity, and ultimately computer parts. But those have a little bit of wear and those have lifespan on them. So, yeah. Now, with uh, with a theoretically unlimited supply of money, it just depends on what how much uh, in a radio in radio terminology how much skin do we want to put in the game well we are the power guys after all um i was talking to you i was talking to you guys about a tesla well it's actually no would not uh, what okay so there i we have a turbine right uses steam Uses, I mean, that whole project, everything that I, I promoted with Aegis, within the next year is going to be locally doable. So, I mean, here we have here we have a means of producing electricity that can use any fuel, or you know, hot air, any viscous any viscous liquid out here in the desert. We prefer steam. Um, you know, that's, it can be built to any size, uh, you know, uh, Buffalo and all of the hydro pumps, um, Hercules. I mean, you guys got the Hudson right there. I mean, how many, how many, how many, many hydro stations could we put on the Hudson? And if we're using steam now, okay. Um, radio frequencies, I'm not allowed to say how it works just yet, but with, uh, radio frequencies. Uh, you, we're we're looking at small heating units that can generate such steam. Um, okay, this now, we talked about. Before all... you proceed a little bit, because uh, I'm going to confess my ignorance. I really don't understand uh, very much about cryptocurrencies, and uh, I'm sure our audience uh, too has uh, listeners who uh, aren't familiar uh, with that or are puzzled by. It. Can you explain cryptocurrencies okay. a little bit? Okay, now when you guys when you when okay, so when our average listener us or our average listener goes down to uh, say like the quick stop down there, right, and you make a transaction on your Visa card for uh, X amount of money and at, in Y location at at Z time, right, you're given a receipt number, right, that's kept track of inside of Visa's system. This is a record of the transaction. This is a record of a transaction. Now, with cryptocurrency, it stands as its own currency because it provides a mathematical way of encoding permanently a record of a transaction. So people people will then start putting money into Bitcoin because uh, you don't have a foreign exchange really. A Bitcoin is a Bitcoin in China or the United States. It be kind of, and 
you, so you put money into these currencies, little offshoot currencies, um, which are which do a task, right? Now, Bitcoin particu- in particular is only made to transact money. As right now, it's the hardest one to mine. It's the hardest one to generate by, cryptocurrency by, mine, by means of doing mean? it. How do people mine uh, um, this currency? Okay, so now you have uh, you have a computer that you set up with. In my case, right now up in the, uh, up in my room, I'm my, I'm doing what's called CPU mining, right? Okay. While I'm trying to get some smaller with ones. Um, now, remember the term ASIC, ASIC, right? Application specific integrated circuit. Now you you can buy these little sticks for anywhere from fifty nine dollars to seventy nine dollars that are do nothing but do these calculations for you, right? So what you need to do to continue this blockchain to mine this cryptocurrency, the trade of your computer's workload for um, a, a a dollar value, because they do pay you in whatever cryptocurrency you're mining. Thusly, you're, thusly, you are selling your computer's processing power. And who so would, how Bitcoin, would somebody, how would somebody, how would you convert that to a Bitcoin? How would somebody like gather uh, Bitcoins and uh, sell them? Now, a Bitcoin, just like any other, a Bitcoin is a currency, just like any other. So, I mean, it, it, there is an exchange market for them, just like anywhere else. Um, okay. I'm trying. I'm struggling to think of where you would go. Where you would like a program like Binance it used to be. It used to be the industry standard for like selling, buying, and selling cryptocurrency on your cell phone. Um, how would you buy a, a crypto coin, whatever crypto coin you're buying? Usually with a Visa card. If it okay. goes in or out, you know, and you make the transaction for X amount, which provides you X amount of the cryptocurrency. Now, if you play it smart, the value of a, say, Bitcoin versus a U.S. dollar, if you play it smart, you can stack up like a whole Bitcoin, which, right, let's say about three weeks ago was uh, almost worth about 12,000 U.S. dollars. For one Bitcoin? Which it, yes. Yes. Right now, I believe it's around ninety six, ninety seven hundred. I haven't looked, you know, I haven't. I've been looking at how to make a cryptocurrency and how various cryptocurrencies work, as opposed to, yeah, you know, I haven't been watching the market as well as I should. But then again, I'm not in buy and sell mode either. Um, so, and again, so, before you proceed, I'm going to pass the uh, uh, the scepter to Nick. Nick, do you have any questions so far on what was covered? I have about 1,983 questions <laughs> because this is this is a very new territory for me. So, but me unfortunately, I'm in the same boat with you with that. I'm I'm just I'm trying to navigate a very a very new field here. So uh, I I want to take a listening position at the moment. Okay, great. The scepter is yours again, Phoenix. Okay, 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 so yes, um, I am working on ways, ultimately I'm working on ways for the average citizen to be able to mine cryptocurrency. Now, professionally, we have the power coming up. Um, 
yeah, the whole that whole industry is covered. Which ultimately, as far as an industry goes, uh, pretty soon, guys, we're going to be buying and selling power to ultimately to people that are mining cryptocurrency. It has been a very good market for doing that while we clean water. Um, That's a big deal. Yeah, Hercules, every world. It is. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Everything, everything, just about all the pieces. With it from um, some of them next week, some of them not for a year. But every piece that we that I had intended to bring out there, I was like one of the things that, um, yeah, just about every piece: the lenses, the heat exchangers, um, now some heat generation equipment that will just absolutely blow your mind, and it makes it makes. No, its byproduct is heat, which you put it in water that makes steam. Ultimately, it functions best in water because that's what that's the medium it works with. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it makes steam. So, power—all these power companies, all these power companies will. Um, There, there are ways when you, when you, when you do, when you deal with things at a municipality level, which okay. I'm happy to report, that door is opening up. Good. I'm very happy to report. Um, uh, the that door is opening up, you know, especially when it comes to you know places funding things like the library, you know, like Project Perceptor. Um, yeah, crypto mining, crypto mining is going to become the way, I mean, if ultimately if there's nothing else that you can do, I mean, you can set up and watch a computer. Uh so nobody nobody gets left behind ultimately with this. Now Yeah, the I'm the heat generation capabilities alone. Um, now we were talking about building building ships to go out and rescue plastic. The heat generation capabilities alone. I mean, a steam powered ship, um, steam powered whole civilization, guys. That uh, you know the byproduct is clean water. Atomic energy, then, is something that is dirty. That's, uh, you can't almost ever get rid of, of rid of the waste from atomic energy, and you're saying this is going to supersede it. Is, am I understanding that correctly? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's going to supersede fusion or fission. Definitely, uh, what I would say is through application of frequency, generated frequency now. We, you were talking. You were talking. Um, best case, and if I'm understanding this correctly, you were talking uh, per joule of electricity you put in. You were talking 250 joules of heat if you submerge this thing in water that are released. So no, that is not over unity. That is that is very very careful transfer of unity. I'm not going to say over unity in any of this because I mean you know even magic even magic is science that we don't understand yet. 
we're having feedback uh, in this, on my end. Are you guys getting feedback too? Well, I was for a second there. Okay. So, yeah, water, clean generation, guys. Um, if any of our listeners, if any of our listeners is is in the renewable energy is in the renewable energy industry, uh, give Hercules a call. Give me a call. You know we need to talk to you. Um, and I mean, as far as far as non-wasteful, non-destructive, environmentally healing. I mean, you're dealing with uh, the process is actually called um, wet air, wet air oxidation that happens hmm. inside of these turbines. This is how it throws the garbage out of everything because essentially, at, the, at those at those temperatures and pressures, it oxidizes. It goes, it falls out in any uh, you know everything that was polluting your water at that temperature falls out in a neat little tray in the bottom of your of your you know of the assembly there. And there it is. There's there's some fertilizer. Go dump that out. You know, um, of course, do chemical analysis. I wouldn't dump anything going down the Hudson right now. But then again, biologically, it is fighting back. You you have you have different types of algae. Last time I looked at River Watch, that were just out of control. Yes, we and have the problem that's now with the uh, Lake Hatcom, which is a fairly large lake in New Jersey. I believe maybe the largest. And uh, uh, some of our hosts were recently in Florida, and they got affected by the red algae. They got very sick. So uh, th- that whole problem with uh, the algae is affecting uh, humans. Uh, somebody who uh, uh, was associated with, like, uh, Hepatcon got that flesh-eating disease and died. I uh, heard a report on that. So, yeah, we're, we're facing uh, uh, our own water supply uh, uh, becoming deadly to us. Two, two of my alumni, yeah. uh, dear friends from uh, Boston, Massachusetts College of Art, and they just recently retired a few years ago, and their dream was to be in a houseboat uh, in Florida. They always wanted to do that. So they sold their house, and they moved to Florida. They bought a houseboat, and for a little bit, it was wonderful, a dream come true in their retirement. And then guess what happened? Algae. Algae started yeah. choking the whole area that where they are. And this became a nightmare uh, from a dream to a nightmare. And that's exactly what, what, what happened to them. And I believe it's still going on. Yes. Yeah, guys, we got the tech now. We can, we, can, we can address this with a tech, is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, very, very, very easily. Um, I remember, remember uh, those, those figures that I was giving you 54 foot trailers. Um, we can generate each one of them. Now the figure that I'm allowed to discuss the figure, that figure is each one of them can throw 10 megawatts onto the grid at any given time, right? In a 54 foot, it requires the space of a 54 foot trailer. I would imagine that's complete with, you know, if you're going the lens way, if you're going the whole that route, then yeah, you know, that would, that would include the space for your lens. You know, uh, if you're, if you're going that route, that's not the only tool in the toolbox anymore, but yes, yes, we can through temperature and pressure, not only take care of problems like that, but I mean, if you rust it to death, which is effectively what you're doing, 
then uh, that 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 algae no longer becomes toxic. That algae becomes fertilizer. Ah. And as as the as the toxins that it was emitting that were in the water, anyways, uh, you know, go through the cycle too. Those become like carbon in the bottom, you know, in the cleanout bin. In the cleanout bin, that that is going to be. I mean, that has got that has got undergone all the testing. Now I keep saying, you know, a Johnson turbine is not is a lot like a Tesla turbine, right? Yeah, but Neldon Johnson, I love this guy. Um, imagine imagine a Tesla turbine given a jet engine makeover. Whoa. There you go. It only still it only still has two moving parts. So if you make those out of if you make those parts through any any manner of 3D printing that we have nowadays, you should see if there's stuff on the commercial level, guys. If you have enough money, you can do anything. Um, you wow. know. Um, uh, and I do mean anything. Uh, you know, there there's bits that lend credence to Ozone's story. You know, which uh, he would be a cool person to talk with on one of these things again. Um, you know, yeah, anything, and I do mean anything. <laughs> so now with. One okay, so one direction now. Anything, anything to do with greenhouses? Now I promised, I promised that area out there of nothing more than that river out there. If nobody was listening, when I was out there, that you know I was going to help fix this. I was going to help bring back the clams. Nick, mm-hmm. you might remember that story. You know, you, you know how, how many, how how long have you has it been since there's been um, clams in the Hudson Bay? Probably since the 1600s. What if we could bring them back? Wow. You know? Yeah, I want to bring back the clams, and that's what I intend to do. Awesome. Um, <laughs> you, could, you could run for so, mayor on that on that platform alone if it was successful. <laughs> I mean, and you'd win, hands down. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I mean, I'm not sure that that's a job, you know. I, I I think at this uh, I think at this uh, at this what did he what did Bush say at this phase of my life at this juncture at this juncture I'm probably better suited uh, back doing you know making inventions and stuff. Well, I, no, I'm not Which, arguing that at all. I'm sure I'm sure that is true. <laughs> I want to ask you: Is there a website that you could suggest that you have that that our listeners and me and and Hercules could take a look at? Is there something set up now? There, uh, okay, so I, I not only have, okay, so I have the Facebook site, right? So every time I put anything from Pinterest on there, I mean, I, Facebook, I mean, Facebook auto loads that, that's part of an automation. So, but every time I, you know, every time I'm cruising through Pinterest and I'm reading these articles, um, it goes onto the Perceptor site. Now, as far as like a network of how-tos and DIYs, which are currently all going on in no certain order on the Perceptor site, which is becoming actually kind of painful. But um, now, are you t- uh, places to look this up in theory or in practice, Nick? And where, which way? Which way? Which way do you want to be able to look these things up? Um, now, or do you want to just be able to look up the site itself? Because the site itself, uh, would, you know, just to get, make sure people have the best stuff, the, uh, the 
ROR Preceptor Project would be the best. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash ROR Preceptor Project would be the best place to uh, currently look at things. Would be okay. The biggest, and and you're would gonna, be, you'll put that on the uh, Facebook so that uh, we can take a look at that later, too. Hercules, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yes. Well, uh, I'm just saying that if you put that on, uh, you know, when you when you do your uh, your Facebook uh, announcements and and uh, follow up information, that would be a good thing to put on there. Yeah, that that would be, and that that brings us to the question in terms of uh, the uh, Olympian outreach. Um, how can we best uh, integrate the preceptor into what we currently have and into the things that are coming soon? Coming soon are going to be pre-recording and a YouTube channel. Those are the next two big projects. Okay, so you want to go first, Nick? Well, no, uh, how can we integrate the Project uh, Perceptor? Like right now, oh. Uh, oh, I, oh. I mention it whenever you're on the show, and every now and then I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put in a promo uh, with uh, you and uh, Project Perceptor. Um, but those aren't really focused, uh, except when we have a particular topic on the show. So how can uh, you evolve it so that uh, we, we could work out a schedule where I could send people there like once every two weeks or three weeks or month or week or whatever uh, works in terms of getting more information. Okay. Okay. Um, I, okay. So now uh, currently, uh, currently like right this second, I mean, I would say definitely still stick with the Facebook the Facebook and all the links that are put on that are going, I'm going to be categorizing those pretty soon and probably using either, either a Pinterest site that's not connected to it. So you don't have an echo, uh, probably either using a, another site. Basically I've got my, my biggest hurdle is cataloging that, but I mean, people can get on the site, people can get on the Facebook site right now. Um, pretty soon, pretty soon, I'm actually going to be setting up a, a whole domain around this, and that will be, I mean, the yeah website to be to be announced on that. Um, what what I can do in the interim as as we're moving forward, just to to move forward, um, all the folks who um, who are getting involved, like with the outreach and the interconnection. Uh, either are regular guests on the show or have their own shows. So would you like every fifth Thursday uh, to have a half hour to start? And, and let's see how uh, that goes. Uh, and if that works out fine, I could, I could increase and then integrate it because there's always four weeks in the month, but there's not always a fifth week. Uh, so that would be like six shows uh, a year. And that will give you time to prepare and to get guests and uh, – um, Nick and I, I'm sure, will be present uh, as you're talking about this huh. uh, because it's fascinating. And, and like Nick, there's not much I know about this. I'm, I'm kind of like very much in the dark um, about all this stuff. I hear yeah, the words, but uh, I don't know much about it. Right, right. We have to get more educated uh, step by step because uh, what he's talking about potentially is gigantic and we really right. need to know more. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, I can. Uh, I could fly with that, dude. Great. Okay, whatever you, whatever um, you just said, give us the feedback again. I said I, I could make a, a, like a preceptor show. I could make fly. Um, okay, good. Absolutely, fly. 
especially especially for like uh, people who are into uh, do-it-yourself. Because I mean, most of the yeah, most of the technology that I'll be developing just by you know just under my own under Project Perceptor is going to be easily it's got to be easily reproducible and it's got to make a significant impact. Um, so yeah, yeah, I got to also ask you um, as an inventor, um, are, are you patenting? Uh, are, you, are you copyright? What what is going on here in a legal sense for you? Um, okay, so right now, as far as right now, uh, as far, with the with the technologies and stuff that I'm discussing, the patenting, the licensing, the testing, most of the marketing, or at least setting out of materials that they want marketed with them, has been set out and is ready to go. So they're they've already taken care of that. Um, I with um with the way we're with the way we're doing stuff. I mean, you guys said security, and we're we're actually taking steps. You guys have both told me security, and security is uh, I I've taken that down to I've taken that down to uh, making making our workspace free from cyber attack. Um. Currently, currently with the capabilities, although the development is still in progress, currently with the capabilities of an, an artificial intelligence processor. So, uh, so yes, um, everything as far as lo as locking is, you know, the, the the inventors have put forward. Now that doesn't say anything that I, uh, you know, that I have going on in my workshop personally. But I'm sure, I mean, my job, part of my job is to find the little guy, um, figure out what he's doing, help him make something of himself, because we're not, we're not Thomas Edison's, you know, we're not J.P. Morgan's, in fact, you know, this, this is, we are, we could be the harbingers of what would have happened 100 years ago. If the you know if this you know if human human possessiveness had not been the case, shall I say? Mm -hmm. J.P. Morgan was a greedy man. Oh uh, yes. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so you know you you strip that out of that. Uh, uh, you know here's where we are at the doorstep. Like I said, my my job part of my job is going to be finding that little guy. And if he's got something, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be my job to reach into my own pocket to help him out, which I'll happily do. Um, there was uh, Faraday, uh, the mathematician Faraday, when he couldn't under, it's like he couldn't explain his, uh, his, he couldn't explain why this, you know, mathematically. And then that dude came along uh, and that dude went on to be, you know, a wonderful mathematician himself, but he's the one that wrote down Faraday's equations, and thusly we can figure out volts and amps and watts. So. Wow. Okay. So, um, so, okay, we'll we'll start setting that up. We'll look at when the fifth, next fifth Thursday is, and we'll schedule a half-hour show, um, and uh, start working on getting a guest. And through your conversation. Uh, this way people can learn more and start with a very basic show 
so that uh, people can understand the basics, build a foundation, uh, and then you you can make it increasingly more complex as we uh, progress. But the the first goal will be uh, for for people to understand. Um, all the different things you're touching upon better because, uh, um, you know, I'm now in my 60s and, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm behind in many things. A lot of people think I'm computer savvy. I am to do the things that I'm doing, uh, but that's just, uh, uh, you know, very basic uh, rudimentary uh, stuff. So uh, uh, in the beginning, set the programs up there and, and we'll start it off. Do you have any literature for Project Preceptive? Currently, other than other than what is on print on the site, I have uh, that has honestly been the last thing. Uh, it's like uh, marketing print, has, or it's like uh, like mass media. Other than what I've broadcast, has been the last thing on my mind. But I've been working on technologies. Yeah, I, again, I would say there. I, I've employed. Uh, Check out the Facebook site, guys. <laughs> I had to bottleneck so, it to one thing. So make uh, um, make uh, advertise. You have your Facebook site. Now you're going to have a half hour show, uh, like every other month. Uh, so that's a start. Uh, so make a make a flyer about that. You know, like uh, have a, the UFO picture that you made, uh, that you drew, that yes. you have on your profile picture. Write uh, oh, Project Receptor okay. on top. Um, and uh, give yeah, like no, a, a short paragraph of what Project Perceptor is all about, and then to learn more and give them the address to your Facebook group and tell them that you have um, a uh, a podcast. We'll work out the time, uh, and this way anybody who's interested uh, will check into the podcast or, or give you a call or you know whatever contact information you uh, provide, um, and. Uh, um, that will be great. And also in the meanwhile, you have a friend in Mr. Nick Curdo, uh, yep. who does uh, blasts. Uh, and uh, if you send him information, until you get your own thing up and running, uh, I'm sure Nick would uh, love to uh, have you sending in uh, uh, things that you discovered that other people might be interested in. So then you could put on your flyer too uh, that uh, you know that you're part of the the blast and you submit information there, and people can su- subscribe to that, and that'll help you by building up your uh, uh, audience, and it'll increase uh, Nick's audience, yeah. which I'm sure Nick would like. So uh, uh, yeah. this way, it's a win-win for all of us. It's a win-win, and I'll go one better than that, Hercules. Not only everything you just said has, is a yes, but in the new year, uh, somewhere when, when we can, uh, with timing, uh, we could feature uh, this, this subject matter, and you could address the Disclosure Network New York by Skype I'd love it. Or, or Zoom, and you could do a 90-minute lecture, and that would be picked up not only on our website but on uh, YouTube. And so you could be one of our featured uh, speakers, uh, even though you are uh, far off uh, in Utah, and, and we could definitely do that. And that would be quite exciting. So maybe yes, somewhere would. in the new year we could do that. So there you go. Definitely. Definitely. You, got, you got all these avenues I, uh, opening up. Definitely. Um, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, guys. Mercury retrograde. Okay, so I've got, I've got one. Okay, so I've got one to throw in the mix. Um, are okay. you guys familiar with um, GMRF or infrared radio? Have you heard those terms? No, I haven't. Nick, have you? Okay. No. Oh. 
Um, the the FRS and some GMRS radios, right? Are GMRS are the ones like um, like uh, municipalities use that are connected to repeaters. FRS are just like those little ones that you get at Walmart for like forty five bucks for four of them, right? Um, okay, so now Nick and Herc, as far as stuff goes, as far as the ability to communicate, Nick. Um, you could use this in like ways to send out, you know, somebody's investigating somebody's report, then you could use this as a radio system to communicate that. Um, and there's a few other things that I'm working on guys. I might seriously be able, I mean, and especially like limited areas, like how would you hire a drive-in feeder with a space? with a little tiny transmitter out there. I'm wow. trying to I'm trying to get out there to figure this out, but I mean guys, if we could make little pockets of like AM or FM transmission legally, well I mean what's the laws out there because I've got the transmitters up to ninety yards. <laughs> Anybody with oh, the radio so can listen actually listen to our show. That that's too. something that uh we can look into also. And I looked at the time. We only have a few minutes left. So I'd like uh, you guys to share your contact information. We'll start with Nick. Okay. Uh again, Disclosure Network New York. We meet uh this coming August fourth, which is a Sunday at two o'clock. Uh and you can get all that detailed information at dnny.info. That will give you all the details of the meeting. And you certainly are all invited. You do have to make an RSVP so we know how many people are coming. That's required. And in the announcement, you'll see the four easy steps to follow to make an RSVP that counts. So there you go. Thank you. Uh, Phoenix? Okay, so um, for if, you need to, if you need to transmit a bunch of data, um, there, I have set up a Discord chat, chat server. Um, I will provide that information in the link. In Hercules, you still have it. You still have like all the links and stuff in in the comments on Facebook. I'll uh, provide yes, the somewhere. link. I'll, okay, so I've set up and I've actually set up a Discord server for Perceptor for like a chat. And this is what this is what I'm teaching myself to do Discord to set up a Discord server with. Um, I'd spoke I'd spoke lightly with Nick about the about the software. Um, so far, so far it's, it's fit my needs out here just wonderfully and best off it's free. Um, so yeah, we are on discord. Uh, there is the face, there's the Facebook page. There's always the Facebook page as uh, facebook.com forward slash R O R preceptor project. That's P R E C E P T O R P R O J E C T. Yeah, ROR ROR Perceptor Project. Um, the the links for the links for everything else will be posted there. Will be that would be a great place to start. Also, there is like literally literally a spaghetti mess of here's how you do this, here's how you make that circuit, here's how you do that. You know, just DIY stuff. I have everything I could find all over the net which is becoming like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of links, guys. Wow. I thought so a Facebook I, I, pro, I thought a Facebook page would work. 
Go ahead. That, on that note, we need to end today's exploration. Otherwise, they will cut me off. Uh, and uh, thank you both of you for helping get this started. Uh, in the next month, uh, this reality will be firmly anchored here, and uh, we'll begin a new adventure. Thanks again. Uh, Nick, you're awesome. Happy birthday. And Phoenix, you. you're awesome, too. I'll talk to you all soon. Love Happy all. birthday, Nick. Bye-bye. Thank you. And thanks uh, to all who joined us at home. Until next time, uh, these are the Argonauts wishing you joyous journeys and all Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.